Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is... Pat O. Pat O. I'm going to ask you about your weekend, but not yet. It is Frogman Festival week. It is. It sure is, Ashers. It's time. I am doing something really ballsy, and I'm kind of nervous about it. Uh, Ooh, what are you doing? Maybe a little cocky. So I'm speaking, right? As you all know, Uh I'm speaking at the Frogman Festival. And Saturday, March 4th, and at the Great Wolf Lodge Conference Center in Mason, Ohio. In Mason, Ohio. Uh, you definitely want to be there. I'm just, I can't, I really can't say it enough. This is going to be the event of the year. You don't want to miss it. Um, so, I, you know, I'm speaking there, and uh, I was asked to do kind of um, a more personal talk, right? Uh, Jeff wanted me to, like, share, like, my story of, like, you know how I got into the Mothman research, why the Mothman, this, that, and the other, because it is steeped in, in high strangeness, and I understand some people might think it's interesting. Um, so I do have a Mothman presentation that, that when I talk at these things, which some of you know that, that I give, right? It's pretty standard. Um, it's just basically the history, um, you know, point, pretty point pleasant heavy up until the current day. I share mm-hmm. my Mothman encounter, and then I ask, you know, I take questions, right? Talk about John Keel a little bit. Take questions. I'm not doing that this time. I'm not going to have any presentation whatsoever. It's just going to be me standing up there talking. And I'm a little nervous. But, you know, I think I'm good at it, right? I mean, you guys are here listening to me talk. I must be okay. And we're not scripted. So um, we'll see how it goes, right? I mean, I should have the information. I should know the information. It was my life. I lived it, right? So um i think i'm just gonna make like a little like a little uh card right like a cute card (laughs) i am and take it up there with me and um just fucking go with it what do you think do you think that's a career suicide oh i don't know if i'd go that far um (laughs) you know i uh i've done i've i have done things uh many different ways before I have the problem with over preparing for a speech is that um, if you try to memorize it, unless you have a really good memory, you're going to forget shit. Um, and that is uh, probably a problem that we both share based on our, our, our drug abuse stories. So I would say uh, definitely side on uh, speaking extemporaneously, which is off the cuff, but have points that you want to hit, have talking points that you want to go over, have some key phrases and key lines of dialogue memorized or that you're familiar with. And yeah, I mean, kind of go up there and uh, know what you're going to do, but don't read off cue cards because that seems rehearsed and hackney and no one wants to sit there and look at you struggle through reading for 45 minutes, right? Um, So don't do that. Just talk. But have an idea what you're going to say, you know, and practice. But what if I blank? So I'm I'm going to have one card that's just going to have a very basic timeline of events. It'll just be like, talk about this, talk well, about you, this, you know. You, pra- you, you practice and here and you practice with a stopwatch because the the whole thing is you got to fill. What do you guys have? Forty five minutes each. Yeah. All right, and you want to leave time at the end for questions. Mm, sure. So you're going to give, you're going to want to talk about 30, 35 minutes. And, um, I would say come up with, you know, get your note card. Okay, fine. That's your cheat sheet. And then, um, 
talk for 35 get a stopwatch and try it and see how that's it goes all the presentation is all it is are it, it's just a picture of points right that i make sure that i don't miss while i'm talking about these things i know this subject like the back of my hand right i know that presentation like the back of my hand um but you know that's all it is it's there's not anything it's not there's no glitz or glam or videos or anything extra added into it it's just again it's for me it's not really even for the audience so i'm gonna forgo it and i'm gonna make myself the center of attention because i am not enough the center of attention for this event clearly well th remember this is this is this is this is what you want like this is um you know if if you if it doesn't feel right or if you want to i'm not saying back out of it i'm definitely not saying that don't worry jeff i'm not trying to talk her out of it but i think that i think that this is you know this is something that professionally is, and I know you've done this before, but this is what you're moving towards. This is what you want to do. So remember that you're up there because you want to be there and because this is what you want to do. And people give you opportunities to do this and that's why you get up and do it. And if at any point it stops being something that you want to do, then don't do it anymore. Right. But as long as this is still something professionally that you want to do with yourself, then this is it. This is the job. This is the work. Everything's oh, I don't theory. mind getting on the stage and talking to people. Yeah. Absolutely. What I'm don't saying... worry about it. Is I'm not, I'm not worried about it like that. What I'm okay. saying is that I don't think you understand. It's okay. What I'm I'm just saying that I'm doing something that a lot of people don't do typically when they give these types of talks at these events. Most of them have some type of PowerPoint presentation in the background. I'm not going to have one. Oh. Mine is completely unscripted. It's just me getting up there being completely me because I am sharing my experience with everybody. It's a very personal, a very intimate talk that I'm giving at the Frogman Festival. <laughs> That's okay, though. So you don't want to miss it. That's the point. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it'll be a great time. Again, I, I will be just kind of, um, you know, sharing the story of me. And then also some other, you know, things, of course, encounters and things that have come across, you know, along the way, um, just to kind of make the story a little bit more interesting in case you thought it wasn't interesting enough. So it'll be tons of fun um other people will be there too though giving tons of talks uh tobias whalen's also going to cover the lake michigan mothman if you're here mostly for mothman stuff and you know you that's what you want you're going to get a you know a, a dumbbell doser of the same topic but mm -hmm. different areas um tons of other people too with all, all kinds of fun things so you don't want to miss it you want to be heather there. mosier aaron shaw jessica jones d elliott bo mills and james willis yeah. rounding out the roster for this year's frogman festival saturday march 4th 2023 at the great wolf lodge Con conference center in mason ohio i like everybody except for one person you guys can fight over who that might be it's me um it is it's <laughs> hey you guessed it so i'm excited but uh you know what we'll cover a little bit more about that hey after it happens during next week's uh how was your weekend talk Pato? How was yeah. your weekend? This weekend it was uh, it was all right. I'm getting over a cold, which is kind of noticeable. I know I sound a little sick. I listened to one of the many podcasts that I l recorded yesterday, and you can tell I just sound nasally. Um, so yeah, that was that's no fun. But one of the good things about getting sick last week, it started like around Wednesday, Thursday, is that I know it'll be completely out of my system for Frogman. So um, you know, I, I will be at 100 percent operating capacity my immune system will have rebounded and rallied and i will go into that weekend with a full head of steam uh healthy full of antibodies and shit 
and ready to get uh, fight off con sickness from all the great unwashed masses that will be flooding our table, buying our merch. So um, that was this week. I just kind of I hung out. I did the family thing because I'm not going to be here next weekend because where am I going to be? I'm going to be at Frogman Festival Saturday, March 4th at Great Wolf Lodge Conference Center in Mason, Ohio, uh, because I will be there next weekend. I will not be with my children. So I spent plenty of time with my children this weekend, with the exception of yesterday where I recorded an episode of uh, Conspire Theory with Chris Holm. Um, two episodes of Y2K, one on Cocaine Bear, which I know you saw this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that episode is already available on the Y2K podcast network. And then recorded an episode, uh, a Godzilla double feature with editor-in-chief of Paranor- Paranormally Magazine, Aaron Dees. And um, him and Daniel are huge Godzilla fans, so I was just a fly on the wall for that conversation. But um, one good thing came out of it. I'm going to track down a copy of um, it's Godzilla versus the giant shrimp. It's like Godzilla versus Ibra horror of the deep or something. Um, they mentioned that and it, it caught my interest. And I'm going to try to track that down. What movies did you, which Godzilla movies did you cover? We did Shin Godzilla, which yeah. I was not aware of this, but Shin Godzilla was written and directed by the motherfucker that did Evangelion. And I have made no secret about my love for Evangelion. It is one of my favorite things mankind has ever produced next to my children. Um, Evangelion is the fucking pinnacle of, of storytelling and anime or just anything. It's just, it's up there, right? And uh, that guy, I didn't know this, but he did Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman. Well, he wrote Shin. So they hired this guy to do this trilogy of reboots, and it was uh, Shin Godzilla, which he wrote and directed. He wrote Shin Ultraman. Someone else directed it. And then he wrote and directed Shin um, Kamen Rider, which is coming out like in the spring, which is another Japanese franchise, which is about like a cyborg kid or something. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was this trilogy that he had, he had done. Um, and I had seen Shin Godzilla before uh, just because it was so celebrated when it came out. But to rewatch it, knowing that it was this guy was behind it, like was made it very exciting to, to watch again, and it made me love that movie and more. And then the other one we did was Godzilla versus Megagarius, Megagarius, which is uh, a two thousand came out in the year two thousand, and it was um, Godzilla versus like giant locusts, and it's very nineties and very. Um, goofy and wacky and fun you know what i mean it's it it was a it was a good counterpoint to shin godzilla shin godzilla is a very unique take on the guns on the godzilla franchise yeah that's not normal godzilla yeah and it's good and i like it you know but it's like there's scenes where like you see them setting up copy machines and makeshift office space like you don't it's all about the human beings on the government side of things trying to uh, it, it's an allegory for the Fukushima disaster, right? And, and government response to disasters and bureaucracy and all that stuff. So there's no little kids in it. There's no uh, singing. It's not Godzilla versus another weird monster. It's it's just Godzilla and the government officials trying to respond to it efficiently and all of that stuff. And uh, Megagarius is, is like, like what you would expect from Godzilla. Like there's children in it. Uh, you know, there's it's it's your stereotypical godzilla but it was a lot of fun so um it was nice to be a fly on the wall and listen to those two nerds talk about godzilla shit because i'm not like anti-godzilla but i'm not like that (laughs) but i want to they they mentioned a lot of stuff 
that uh, you know, I've seen like destroy all monsters, and I feel like the the big ones. Um, I've seen all the legendary Godzilla movies, you know, but there's, I mean, how many movies are there? there's like thirty plus oh, movies? Oh my there. god, there's so many. Yeah, and, and, then, and then it just it's but and that's just Godzilla. Like <laughs> then the other fucking monsters have their own fucking movies, and it's like <laughs> right. I was kind of because I grew up uh, because I, I discovered MST3K very early on, and they used to show the Gamera movies a lot, Ooh. and. So I was more familiar with Gamera, right? And um, I never really Godzilla was that whatever, but Gamera, friend of all the children, was like just cheesy enough, and I, I kind of gravitated more towards that. So I missed a lot of the Godzilla stuff, and listening to them go back and forth, and those those are two dudes that really know their shit about it. Like I was surprised at like how fast they were recalling the plot lines of 30 plus fucking Godzilla movies. Like they know that, like they know that shit. Like I could talk about comic books or I could talk about punk rock. Like I have subjects that I could do that on, but I've never met people that I respected that talked about Godzilla like that. And I was just like, good for you guys. Holy shit. Like, you know, like they know all of it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, Ibra, the fucking, the, the giant shrimp. And I guess there's a big ass condor in it. It's like, they were describing it to me and I was like, I'm, tracking this down um because you know a lot of it they've been doing it since the 50s right isn't that when the first Godzilla came out so like there was the 60s and 70s era that was like really out there and weird and shit and I it sounds like some of those are worth tracking down um just to see how the franchise evolved throughout the decades so that's not that episode is not coming out for a while and then the other thing we recorded uh I recorded yesterday was our weird world Hawaii oh yes which uh, oh, yeah. Patreon members can listen to this Wednesday. We got into a great discussion about pineapple pizza. Yes, we did. Pat <laughs> we has a family curse tied to Hawaii. If you want to find out what it is. Yeah. You got to listen to Weird World Hawaii. Or or you can surprise me at uh, our booth at the Frogman Festival, Saturday, March 4th, 2023, at the Great Wolf Lodge Conference Center in Mason, Ohio where um, I will be selling copies of my book, Four Short Films by Pat O'Sullivan, previously published via Kindle, and I recently had it reformatted and transferred to paperback using Amazon's KDP service. So um, you can buy copies online via Amazon, but they're a little bit more expensive. If you see me at the festival, you can grab them for five bucks each. Uh, buy, more, buy multiple copies in case you want to read it more than once. And uh, it's a collection of short films that I wrote that I've never been able to produce because it would cost way too much money but um they're really good stories and uh the the tagline is spaceman perverts spaceman perverts junkies and werewolves so uh there's one story in there which is my take on the cthulhu mythos um it's hp lovecraft inspired called oi cthulhu which is about the innsmouth community college battle of the bands things go horribly awry there was another one, uh, Cruising for Brains, which is a love letter to cocaine and anonymous gay truck stop sex, uh, but as through the lens of a zombie story. And um, that's honestly the best thing I've ever written. And there's two others in there, too. So check it out. You can get it on Amazon. You can buy it at the conference. Uh, I think that getting this thing finally published to paperback is the start of me. Because I talk a lot about how I do Nanu Remu. Every not every year, but almost every year, where I do National Novel Writing Month, so I have a ton of stuff that I've written that just kind of sits on my computer. And now that I've cracked the code on how to do publishing through Amazon, um, I 
would not be surprised if you saw one of those novellas get released by the end of this year. Um, because like I said, I've got lots and lots and lots of first drafts. It's just a matter of sitting down and cleaning the shit up and and putting it out there. So, um, definitely do that. And what else are we going to be selling at Frogman? We got t-shirts. Oh yeah. Tons of t-shirts Four separate designs. Wall art. We got uh, wall art, uh, stickers and magnets and pens. Um, still, (laughs) I still have planchettes. And little planchette necklaces. I'm gonna try to make these other necklaces too. We'll see. Little little good luck charms. Something witchy and fun. We'll see. Um, tons of stuff. We got tons of stuff. Come get your, get your picture taken with the alien. Yeah, or Asher's. Oh, I thought that's I thought that's what we we're talking about. Um, or me. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice having a co-host that's like a built-in booth bunny. You know what I mean? You know. Oh, that's aside from you calling me an R-list celebrity, Pato. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, I was like a V-list celebrity. Like you were higher ranked than me. No, 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 no. The the, the R is the highest rank I've gotten so far. Trust me, that is. <laughs> that was a, a genuine compliment. I I, I appreciate it. Oh, um, got it. But uh, yeah, tons of stuff. Tons of knick-knacky bullshit. Like I said, get you a t-shirt, four different designs on hand. Get you a fucking pack of stickers. Whatever. Just buy something. Just- yeah. Hit us <laughs> up because we'll, we'll be partying Friday night and probably Saturday night. I thought I was going to have to leave and come back to Chicago early, but it looks like that's not going to happen. I'm definitely partying Friday night and Saturday night. So Yeah. And Saturday during the day. And Saturday, yes. You better believe I will be drinking all day long. Uh, sure, <laughs> the way it rolls. But uh, okay, well, yeah. So I I saw Cocaine Bear this weekend. Yeah, did you take your daughter? I did. And how, well, what did she think of it? Let's oh, she really liked it. Yeah. She, yeah, she really enjoyed it. But now, you know, so the credits are, you know, the, not the credits, the previews, right? The trailers and the beginning of the movie. Um, they're mm. rolling. And that one fucking movie comes on, which probably a lot of you guys saw if um, you watch Cocaine Bear or a movie recently about the um, dogs. You know what, what I'm talking about? It's got no. fucking Will Ferrell as voicing a fucking dog. Oh, you know what? I didn't see it before Cocaine Bear, but I saw I saw the Red Band trailer like on Twitter last week. Yeah. And, it looks good. Oh my god. I think it looks really? stupid. And my daughter really wants to see it. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. Very adult. He's well, the the where they do the did you get the red band trailer where like they're doing the drugs and they're going to bite his dick off? No, we saw them drinking oh. beer and humping lawn ornaments. Oh, that you watch the red band trailer. Cause the red band trailer, they reveal that the mission is to go back and bite off Will Forte's dick. That's oh, what okay, I know that. Yeah. And then they, they eat mushrooms at one point and they turn into animated dogs and one of them turns into a puppet dog. And, um, and then one of the dogs gets picked up by a condor or something. It looks it the the red band trailer is really funny, but uh, I'm I'm down for that. I think it looks all right. That is not my cup of tea, right there. Um, <laughs> you do not like to laugh. You're a humorless. No, I love to laugh. That's just <laughs> dumb. Uh, cocaine bear. That's highbrow. Okay, that's highbrow humor. All right. <laughs> this this Will Ferrell being a dog bullshit. Mm-mm. <laughs> It's not so good. At first, I was like, oh, okay. And then they're like, and, and even then, like, drink a beer. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're sitting here watching a, a 
cocaine bear, you know, whatever. And then they Ugh. start like humping shit. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to sit through that with my daughter. <laughs> you know? So we'll see if she begs me enough. Um, she does want to go see the new Scream movie, which I was blown away by. Um, maybe we'll watch all that together before it comes out. I don't know. It comes out in like two weeks. So <laughs> we'll see. They're, yeah, um, they're they're all on Paramount Plus. I uh, before the last Scream came out, I made him watch the first uh, three with me. We never got to the fourth one, and we never saw the fifth one in the studio. But we ended up watching the fifth one on um, Peacock or Paramount or whatever it, whatever it streamed on, and he really liked it. So now we're gonna go see it uh when it when when six comes out and me and the trick me and him always do is we go see movies on thursday because uh we beat there's it's not as crowded you still get to see it opening weekend but you don't got to deal with the friday saturday night crowds and i said to him maybe for scream six we'll go saturday night specifically just to see it with a crowded audience oh i prefer a packed theater yeah well that's what happened with cocaine bear is that we went to the 5 p.m thursday show but there was still it was still half crowded and there was a bunch of ruffians in there and there was a lot you got to listen to why i'll tell this i told this told the story on y2k but uh yeah we had we had some shenanigans in the theater we had a very lively audience which does it does make all the difference in the world you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely yeah cocaine bear was is exactly what you expect again it's not an accurate retelling but we knew that already <laughs> um you know the Yes, the bear did cocaine and it died, right? But it, uh, that, I mean, that's it. Like, it didn't attack anybody. <laughs> it just it had a heart attack because it had fucking four grams of cocaine in its bloodstream and its stomach was packed to the brim, as they say, with cocaine. Um, this bear uh, does lots of cocaine and gets really high and kills people. And it, it's it's great. It's great fun. It's lots of fun. Um, the kids do cocaine. I was, I, I don't know. Was <laughs> did that, that, did that bring you back? <laughs> yeah, sure did. Um, yeah, yeah. Brought back. So it was, it was kind of heavy <clears throat> and emotional for me for a minute, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and so you I know, thought about you when I saw that. I was like, oh, <laughs> of all, she is. Of all the things that is. happened today for you to hey, representation matters it was finally to, it was nice to finally see yourself up on the screen right <laughs> for once <laughs> um you know it was it was interesting for me to to start off as that little girl and then eventually grow into the cocaine bear mama so <laughs> <laughs> speaking uh, of which frogman festival next weekend <laughs> be there this, this weekend this weekend yeah. um but yeah what was no, your favorite but, kill um ooh, that's hard i really like the whole ambulance scene everything about it i like yes i yes. love that fucking guy the guy i don't know his name but he does like tiktok videos i recognized him immediately um he's fucking hilarious i suggest looking him up again i don't remember his name though the ambulance um, driver yeah the guy yeah the ambulance yeah. guy the you chick know, was hot i don't i don't usually get caught with yellow fever but uh she oh fucking God, did it for yellow me fever. yes you can what a, being complimentary <laughs> she was Fair hot she, she was thick i liked well, her the whole thing i kind of wish there was more gore but like one part of the movie is genuinely disturbing like for the most part it's just fucking ridiculous and you're like oh my god but the one part that like actually disturbed me and like got under my skin is like when the bear's chomping down on the hippie guy and 
it's like it's taken forever and it's like holy shit like at that moment you're you actually kind of do like think about like holy fuck being mauled to death by a bear would be fucking awful yeah well by like, through the groin too it basically was eating his eating, killing eating him his by. junk off yeah you yeah. know that was the that was the uh the gay guy from modern family i don't watch modern family oh i didn't real i didn't realize he was in that it was uh that and then I didn't realize the the other one of the other main characters was the young Han Solo, which <laughs> you <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't bring it back to last week. Yes. So when they did the Han Solo prequel movie, the guy that played uh, Ice Cube's son's partner, the dude in the Canadian tuxedo, that <laughs> Ice Cube's son, yes, <laughs> yes, he lost his wife and he was talking yeah, about yeah, his, yeah. you know Ray Liotta's kid. That he young plays, yeah, son. young Han Solo in the in the the prequel movie Solo. That explains why I had this yep. weird urge to peg him. I didn't get it the whole movie, um, but I just knew in my loins, you know. Oh. <laughs> I'll 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 ask you this question after the show. Um, anyway, free yes, pegging I'll if you it. show up to Frogman Festival in a Han yeah. Solo outfit, apparently. <laughs> You want to be there. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what I did. Um, I also, I mean, I tried to sell my car this weekend. I did sell it today. Um, so Good. My, my old car's gone. My uh, new car. It's kind of fucking hilarious because I actually sold it to the guy that I bought the car off of originally. I called him and I'm like, do you want this back? So he shows up. A little bit of fucking synchronicity. Kind of weird. A weird situation. Okay. So I, I, I used to have a Ford Escape. All right. So it's a big ass SUV. The back hatch of it won't open. The window of the back hatch will open. But for like the last year, I haven't been able to get that back hatch open. Don't know what happened. It just stopped opening one day. Mm-hmm. So he shows up, right? The guy shows up today to buy to buy the car. And, you know, when him and I were talking about it, this is the fourth time this car has come back to him. I'm like, guy, this is your car. Like, this is your vehicle. He's the original owner. He sold it. People have sold it back to him. <laughs> He's got it again. And we're just kind of going over like what condition it's in. I'm like pretty much exactly the same as uh, when you had it, except that that that, that backlatch doesn't open. When he fucking puts his hand on it, pops it right open. It just comes right open for him. And I fucking it blew me away. I was like, I I have no idea what you did. He's like, it's because it's my car. <laughs> it's like yeah. And then looking at the receipt um, today, we're recording this on on the 27th on Monday. Um, the receipt from where I bought it from him was still in the title, and I go and look. I bought it from him February 24th in 2016, and he's buying it, I mean, almost to the date, <laughs> seven years later. <laughs> no, not six years later. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. But uh, so I did that. And I mean, that's really it. I've just been getting ready for this festival. I'm fucking super hyped for it. I really cannot wait to see everybody there. Um, just, I'm just genuinely excited. I'm going to touch everyone that I can. If you don't like to be touched, you need to tell me because I will touch you in some type of way. Um, <laughs> because that's what I like to do. And, uh, you know, sure. not saying I'm a grope you or anything, just I'm a hugger, you know, and then, uh, I, you know, and a cuddler at that. So we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was my weekend. I want to talk about some news. Let's do it. All right. Did you watch that video I sent you? Yeah, and yeah. I had I had seen that pop up in other places too. And, because uh, there's a reason for it. Hold okay. On. So let me explain what I'm talking about, <laughs> so All people right. know they haven't seen it yet. I sometimes um, I forget we're doing a show here, and I think it's just me and you talking. 
I know. I I understand. Because this is how we talk to each other. Um, right. Just every little bit in conversation, we're like, hey, Frogman Festival, uh, March 4th at the <laughs> Great Wolf Lodge in Ohio. <laughs> um, you know, 77359 weird. Um, anyway, so there's a video going around uh, that a guy took in British Columbia in Canada of a bird that's just suspended in the air. Now he claims it's dead. I, I don't know how he knows that it's dead. Um, but he kind of walks around it, kind of walks underneath it, and it is. It's just suspended there. Now I've seen other videos like this. Um, some people call it a glitch in the make in the matrix. I think there's actually a Reddit that you can follow that's by the same name that has a lot of shit like that. Um, and of course, you know, there's the conspiracy that birds aren't real. <laughs> and maybe this is a testament to that. <laughs> but what is interesting about this particular video, what's different about this one, is that a second person also saw the same fucking bird and took a video of it. Now, they were in a car and they took a video of it. They like even like parked the car underneath it. So there's nothing like on the ground that's holding this bird up in the air. You have two separate people that don't know each other that posted this video. Um, Pato? You know, I don't care. <laughs> okay. I, I, <laughs> I watched that video and I didn't necessarily think that it wasn't real. I just didn't care. I was like, okay. Like, I, I don't discount that this happened. And I know that to entertain the, the idea that it's real um, opens up a whole host of other questions. Um, whatever. You know, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it, okay, it's real. They, there's, this bird was floating in midair. Does that, is that mean that reality is a simulation? Was it suspended by some kind of force? Was it an anti-gravity thing? Was it trick photography? You know what I mean? Um, as much as we are, can be somewhat sure that it's not, we don't know for sure. And it could be and the second person could be in cahoots with the first one or who knows what. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to research it. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on your news. I appreciate the effort, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I think it's cool. <laughs> so what, but what, let me ask you then. So this is something that engaged you. All right, fine. What do you, what do you, what do you, what's your take on it? Do you think that it's, what do you think? I mean, it's just like any other video of anything in the high strangeness category that we get, right? It's just like a Patterson Gimlin film. It's just like UFOs and the fucking, you know, I mean, it, it's like any of those things. Does it definitively prove anything at all? No, it doesn't because you're right. Especially in this day and age, it's so easy to fake stuff like this. Just digitally alone you know but it still gets me excited because honestly you know some of these topics that we talk about or i guess okay i'll go back some of these things that i personally investigate kind of hit nowhere and you kind and you go a long time without anything really happening and then you see a fucking bird suspended in midair that doesn't really make any sense <laughs> and and you know then that okay that's right i'm not just crazy because you kind of start to like question like Am I just searching nothing? Am, am I am I you know chasing down a lead that doesn't exist? Um, so it's really validating to see stuff like this. I, I guess. I mean, and that's really it. It's personal for me. We're not going to prove anything with that video, um, except for that something strange is happening. Well, I you know I see this as being a little bit different than 
video of a UFO or the Patterson-Gimlin tape because there is a narrative that's at least suggested there. The Patterson-Gimlin tape, it's a video of Bigfoot. It's a, it's film of Bigfoot, right? Um, when you see someone uh, trying to videotape or capture a UFO, like, okay, there's the UFO stuff. The dead birds floating in midair. There's no, like... There's no other part to that story, I think. I just need more. That's what I think it is. Like, if they had said, if there was something else there, if there was a, a hint of an explanation or a uh, narrative or mythology to attribute this to, I think that I would be more engaged. But because it's just this weird, unexplained phenomena that has no ties or, or, or foreseeable relation to anything else. There's not enough to grab my interest. Nope. Stop right there. Nope. That okay. is the narrative. That is the agenda. It's a weird, unexplained phenomena that has no tie to anything else. What the fuck does that mean? That is the narrative. And that's a, that's a narrative for a lot of, um, you know, Fordian topics. I like that kind of stuff. I like, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm bored with the Bigfoots and, and the lake monsters and things like that. I like shit that is truly and genuinely like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? But maybe that again. That's just me. Some people. No, I get. What, I I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, I get yeah. It. Some people love Bigfoot. Some people love aliens. Whatever. I like yeah. the weird one-off, what the hell's happenings kind of situations. Um. So, but that's okay. Hey, hey. You know what? That's fine. It's not your cup of tea. You can you can drink from a different cup. There's plenty of cups to go around, Pato. Um. <laughs> so, and my my second item for the news is um. Also, strange, it's just a classic 40 and topic. I really like it. Um, but it does have a, probably a reasonable explanation. So a small town in Australia was hit with a very strange storm recently. Um, it rained down fish from the sky. Fish. Some of them were alive. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so apparently this small town, I'm going to butcher the name. I think it's uh, Lajamanu. I don't know. It's in Australia. <laughs> Again, um, this isn't the first time they've had a fish rain, right? They've also had this happen in 2010, 2004, and also in 1974. So this is now the fourth time that fish has rained down from their village. A lot of kids were like catching some of the fish that were still alive and keeping them as pets, as like little souvenirs. I'm like, remember that time it rained fish? Um, but that's fun. Now, scientists believe that probably what happened is that the fish were gathered up in a particular portion and they were swept up into the storm and then carried over, um, you know, to the little town. And that's probably why these things happen. But nobody's ever actually seen it happen. So until someone does, that's just kind of a theory. That kind of goes along with the bird in the sky, honestly. It, it's so crazy that you brought that up because when you were talking about your story about how unexplained shit just happens. I was going to bring up the scene in Magnolia when it rains frogs. <laughs> so this is that. Seriously. And I was like, she's not going to get a fucking Paul Thomas Anderson reference. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And then you bring up a story about it raining, raining fish in Australia. <laughs> I like when it rains animals. I, I don't know. <laughs> Who doesn't? Free pets. Well, see, how do you enjoy that? But you don't care about the suspended bird in the sky. I don't oh, know. no, I hate that movie. Magnolia is the fucking I don't I don't worship it like some people does. Respect. I, the cock, I've never seen the it. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, I can agree with that much. <laughs> <Tom Cruise. laughs> 
<laughs> like in Scientology sleep. Paul Thomas Anderson peaked with Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights was his, it was like his first or second movie. And I've seen all of his movies and nothing. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza. I will. I, and that kind of looks like I might enjoy it. But, um, you know, he did the master movie, which was about Scientology with Philip Seymour Hoffman as kind of L. Ron Hubbard. And, um, He's he's did what else did he do? He did uh, Punch Drunk Love, which was the Adam Sandler movie set in Hawaii, I believe, maybe. And uh, he's done some no fifty first dates. Oh, whatever. Fuck you. Okay. Um, but yeah, I uh, how did I get off talking about him? Fuck him. Boogie Nights was his best movie. Are you a fan of Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights? Never seen it. What? You have to. I that. Fuck, we we should watch that oh, sometime. If anyone wants to have the official Frogman Fest after party, where we watch Boogie Nights, I'm not watching. I'm not wasting my time watching Boogie Nights. I'm going to waste my time drunk and disorderly watching Boogie Nights. Not watching Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Uh, write us, message us, call us seven seven three five nine weird, and tell us uh, tell Asher she needs to watch Boogie Nights. It's a good movie. It's about the porn industry. <laughs> I never. I'll probably maybe I'll watch it one day. It's um, yeah. It's 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 out anyway. Enough. I, I've been that. I've been going. That's what I've been doing. I mean, I've been going through movies I've never seen that everybody's like, "What? You've never seen that? You know how many times a day that happens to me? A day. You know how many times in a day that <laughs> happens to me? At least three. Um. So I'm trying to catch up. That's why I watched you know the first two Star Wars movies last weekend and didn't get around to watching the third this one. Um. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm trying. So. <laughs> getting there um but yeah so uh fish rain in australia uh just another reason to maybe not go to australia um, sure you know that's my news for the week that's what i got i had one and uh just to show how um on point my instincts are i had originally flagged this for a potential news story last night talking about sunday the 26th and uh, woke up this morning and found it all over the place. Uh, it was uh, the the copy that I'm going to read today. I'm taking off the website of for Paranormality Magazine, but Weekly World News even did a fucking uh, parody of it. This story was everywhere today. So um, obviously my instincts are spot on. But this weekend, uh, the Mexican president has captured the attention of social media users everywhere. After he shared a photo that purportedly depicts one of the mythical Mayan elves. Everything is mystical. Mexico President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador said in a Twitter post Saturday, accompanied by two photos, including one that the president says shows an elixir, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but just think of it as Duende, right? That's that's how I process this. Ancient Mayan folklore maintains that the Alexis are cunning playful sprites of the forest and fields. It is said they often play pranks on people by hiding items away, so it is wise to leave small offerings as a form of appeasing them. Um, yeah, by Sunday, uh, Obrador's post had gained an impressive 5 million views. I was one of them. A pre-Hispanic sculpture captured in one of the photos stands out against a nighttime shot where something that looks like a creature with glowing eyes lurks within the tree branches. Uh, both taken at the Ekbalam Yucatec Maya archaeological site. So, um, look that up, I guess. I mm-hmm. thought this was interesting because the picture is a pretty good picture of this. Uh, it looks like a Jawa, 
which is a Star Wars reference that might be lost upon you because you're not that much of a Star Wars fan. No, you know the things that lived in the desert are the first one that that, yeah. that drove the sand crawler and that. Well, yeah, they had the cloaks on. I didn't see their right. Well, that's what this looks like. It's got cloaks with the little eyes. Yeah. And somebody, when I was re- when I saw this original Twitter post, somebody said that um, this picture was from somewhere else. And was not from was not from Mexico. That it was uh, from somewhere in Indochina or something, and that it wasn't a, it wasn't it was not a a uh, a Mexican picture. Um, but I couldn't find verification of that anywhere. But it's interesting that the Mexican president chose to share this and uh, talk about the Mayan folklore. I do think that that is interesting. Um, I I did also see the the same story. Like you said, it is everywhere. Um, I did also see people make reference to the fact that this was an old photo. Okay. And had actually um, shared a tweet where it had come from back in 2021. And prior to uh, Elon Musk's Twitter, you couldn't edit tweets. So you couldn't go back right now to your if if we were in that same land, you couldn't go back right now and edit your tweet from actually, and I don't even think you can you only have so much time before you can edit a tweet now anyway. So if someone posted it in 2021, that means they posted it in 2021. Um, but I would still I'm I'm interested as to where the photo may have come from originally, what it may be a picture of. Mm-hmm. Um it's not to say that it's not something strange because it certainly looks very strange, right? Um, but it does depend on the area uh, before I can draw any type of personal conclusion as to what I think it might be. But I think it is really cool that the the Mexican president believes in elves. And yeah. that's all that matters. <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing to do, like, to do on a Saturday night to, uh, to just espouse that belief. And I think that that is something that, uh, you know, Latins are very passionate people. And uh, I, when I see him doing that, I always think about that Argentinian president or the Chilean president. That do you remember that? It was a couple of years ago. They had a big earthquake in Chile, and he blamed the America and and, and DARPA, the Americans and DARPA or whatever. Yeah, your harp, you know. And he's like, ah, oh, the Americans have earthquake guns or their satellites. Everyone, I knows don't about remember it. that. That's oh, it was fucking great. Everyone's head exploded. Like this fucking That's guy. He just yeah. said it. <laughs> you know. Darn and whether ball. or not he was, I don't know if he was just pissed off because his country was in ruins or whatever. But like, whoa! All right, all right, King, go off. So. uh <laughs> No, it is. I think it is really fun. I've seen like people accusing the Mexican president of like disclosing this information on purpose to try to distract people from other things happening. Guys, listen, there's always other things happening. Okay. Always. (laughs) That's not a good straw man argument for your conspiracy. I I, know. I mean, that's what it is. It's a straw man argument for your conspiracy. Um, There's always something to distract from. Yeah, you know, be better than that. Do better, and of course, you're my listener, so I expect that you do. So, um, but I don't know. You know, I I can't say whether or not it is or isn't. Who knows? Maybe the guy was just he had a little too much wine. He was thinking about elves. He decided to post about it on on Twitter. I, you know, I don't know. I think it's fun though. Sure, sure. So. And then uh, my 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 shout out for the week is going to go to Chris Holm of Conspire Theory, who did the artwork for us. 
um, for Moth for the Frogman Festival, as well as Emily Wayland from the Singular 14 Society. Both of them helped us design some of our merch for this week's uh, this the conference. And um, if you're there, also check out Cassie from oh, yeah. Cassie Land. She gets the half-mast chub. Um, I don't know her last name. It's Cassie something. But Cassie Land on Instagram, everyone knows Cassie. She does a bunch of graphic design work. And uh, she's like Prince or Cher. She only needs one name. So <laughs> She's like Adam. <laughs> yeah, Adam. Like Prince Cassie. Prince Cassie. Cher. Madonna. <laughs> Cassie. <laughs> Do you really need a last name? You know the fuck I'm talking about. So check out her booth at Frogman Festival. I know she's making some wands and shit. Um, she's an amazing artist and an amazing person. I will promise you this. I promise. Okay. This is the 100. If I've ever said a truth on this show, this is the truth. Cassie's going to have a booth at the Frogman Festival. Cassie will spend more money than she will walk out with from what she makes. And (laughs) let me tell you, she makes some damn good stuff. So her sales are going to be hot, especially with those wands. But she's going to spend more, probably at least double (laughs) of what she makes at her own booth. I believe. So now you buy, you buy the wand at Cassie's booth, right? How much do they? How much do you charge to put the wand in their butt? They bring the wand over to the on Wednesdays. We talk weird booth. Well, they have to be dressed like Han Solo, so that's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and then it's a fifty dollar deposit. So there. Um. Wow, that's that's a fucking steal. That is. That's a, it is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So that's 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 the deal I'm cutting. That's a special offer. Just come up to the booth. Say you're there for the special offer. I got you. <laughs> Good thing we're surrounded by our friends. In case you really, in case like a, a horde of weird Ohioans show up, that fucking, because we're not going to like, I mean, you know who could, the, the world's biggest dick could roll up on this thing. You know what I mean? Like we're right in the backyard. Like we are, we are. That's true. He might still listen to the show. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm glad. I'll ass right on stage. I'll be like, see, I told you. <laughs> told you all. I've seen it. No, you have to. I'm glad we'll have Toby next to us. <laughs> gets out Heather, of hand. Heather's not fucking around. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Heather Moser's not fucking around. Um, so we, we got we got good we got a good crew members uh, available. <laughs> good, good bodyguards. Um, right. Anyway, oh Pato. So now that we've been jovial and had a really good time, you want to talk about some really fucked up shit? Sure. Oh man, this is uh, interesting. Actually. It's not that bad. We've done worse. <laughs> We've talked about way worse on this show. Um, so <clears throat> this episode is really important to kind of lead us into another episode that we want to do in the future. Um, I felt like it was important for us to talk about this and uh, another uh, serial killer, famous serial killer, before we touched on the actual um big boy topic that I'm excited to cover. Um, but today we're going to talk about Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. And Pato, I know you've been fucking dying to talk about this movie <laughs> since I mentioned it. What was your history with these two prolific killers before we did this episode? Uh, Chicago filmmaker John McNaughton released Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer in 1986. And uh, I didn't see it until I, I remember the poster being in video stores, but it wasn't until I. Um, discovered that I wanted to be a filmmaker and started to explore uh, different independent filmmakers that I came across, John, McLa- John McNaughton, The Chicago Connection, and this movie, Henry Portrait of a Circular. So uh, it stars Michael Rooker as Henry Lee Lucas, 
Um, Michael Rooker, you'll know from Walking Dead. He's Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's been in lots of stuff. And this was one of his very early roles. And um, yeah, it's it's kind of a loose retelling of the Henry and Otis bromance that left so many people dead. And uh, set sure. in, in my hometown of Chicago. It's a great Chicago movie. They, they film stuff on Lower Wacker. It's, you could tell it's filmed by someone that's from here because he gets all the good stuff in. Very dirty. Um, shot on 16 millimeter in the 80s, right? And uh, it's funny, like, watching the, the – um, or, like, reading the story behind the filmmaking the, – the making of this film is that it still costs, like, $100,000. Are you serious? <laughs> Which is like, yes. What? Well, it was shot in 16 millimeter. Like, film – like, that's yeah. the thing is that now you can make – uh, a low budget movie for like seven grand and mark my words, I'll do it. Um, and, but back then, like if you were to make an independent movie, you still needed like a hundred thousand dollars because like you needed to buy all the film stock. You needed to use a film camera and uh, that's what they did. And, and, and this, I mean, Henry portrait of serial killer, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's one of the better slasher movies. It's very brutal. Um, there's a fair amount of sexual assault in it, which is unfortunate. It's not my favorite thing to see captured on film, but uh, it's part of the story, and it unfortunately it's just there. Um, but it's uh, it's worth checking out. So that was what I thought. I thought I knew the Henry, uh, the Henry, uh, what's his name, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis um, stuff from this. Yeah, and and then in researching, I realized that that, that was this was a incredibly loose adaptation. Incredibly, yeah. They they had nothing to do with Chicago, and <laughs> uh, which was a bummer. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it makes it seem a lot more exciting than it is. Actually, I'll be honest with you, it's a yeah. good movie. Uh, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer is um, a very softball movie. If you're looking to get into like the disturbing movie circuit, that's up my alley. That's my deal. Right. Um, but because he's but a protagonist has- in it, like he's a murderer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But Otis is the worst. Is the worst of yeah. the two. He's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and they they make Henry as kind of like a, a likable. He's like a Dexter almost a little bit. I don't know. Not kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a little bit better. Um, you know, he's not as bad. Uh, he gets worse at the end. But initially, he's not that bad. You know? <laughs> right. He's sympathetic um, because of the shit with his mom. Right. Know? And, you know, eventually, um, you know, then you're like, well, this guy's not so great. But it, it's a good, it, again, it's for a movie, it's a good movie to get into Um if you like that kind of thing it has everything that i like right it's got the dirty feel to it you know it's got the it's got the sexual assault it's got the, you know it's got the disturbing bits <laughs> i like that stuff dude raping his sister's got fucking checks all oh, the boxes when they kill that that whole family oh man i sorry man that's too right up my alley um home invasions man horrifying stuff but uh i i like to watch that kind of stuff on film because it makes me feel something i don't know um so oh my god, oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> um but it it's not a very good retelling of the actual events at all um so we're going to tell you guys about the actual events which is in and of itself a very interesting story um so I'm going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to talk about each person individually because they are 
allegedly a couple that killed together all right which we did kind of cover some of those hey in an earlier episode um but we're going to talk about kind of both individually leading up to the point that they meet and then we're going to talk about the point that they meet and going forward mm-hmm. um so let's talk about henry first uh my god talk about i thought my childhood sucked let me tell you something henry lee lucas this poor unfortunate fucking fucking soul i mean he does have a very sad story um he was born in a one room log cabin to a prostitute mother uh the prostitute mother as a matter of fact had a penchant for dressing him up like a girl constantly um forcing him to watch her engage in the sex acts that she did and then eventually um pimping him out to men women whoever as a child in his girl costume um so very fucking horrific eventually the cross-dressing only stopped because finally the school stepped in and said hey enough is enough and was like hey you gotta you can't be dressing your your child up like a girl <laughs> so would, she sent to school like that yeah she was in a school like that yeah complete degradation oh yeah oh and, my and they god were like, yeah, you can't do this but didn't really stop anything else um his dad was such a fucked up such a raging alcoholic that the man died from hypothermia because he got so fucking drunk and passed out in a blizzard they killed him yeah um and then in the sixth grade he dropped out of school all that happened before this man was like a teenager before he was even a teen like this child at that point so fucking horrific um when he did drop out of school uh, he dropped out of school so that he could run away and you know he did and he kind of became this weird drifter um what he says is that his first murder occurred in 1951 he would have been 15 years old at the time um and yeah so he ended up going to prison for a short amount of time i think it was for something petty like yes you know and he went to prison he gets out and um he had been chit-chatting with this pen pal girl and his mother didn't approve of it so he had like gone back home for like the holidays or something and his mom pretty much spent the entire time like nagging him like hey you need to leave that girl alone and you need to come back home and take care of me because i'm old now and i need your help and yada 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 so it it escalates this conversation that's been going on for over the course of the holidays escalates to the point to where he stabs her he fucking stabs her and kills her or he didn't kill her Okay, so he stabbed her. His sister had come home. They were all staying at his sister's house. She had come home, found her mom, called the ambulance, and it, she didn't make it. She, but she didn't die from the stab wound. She died from a heart attack, probably because she was being attacked by her son. I don't know. Right. But they, you know, obviously he did it, you know, so he was actually convicted of second degree murder in Michigan and sentenced to 40 years in prison. And he was let out in the 1970s, uh, 10 years later, yeah. uh, due to overcrowding in the prisons. Okay. So he gets out and then he fucks up again. He goes and he attempts to kidnap three young girls in uh, 1971 within a year of him getting out. Um, so he's sentenced to five more years in prison and then he was actually released in, in just four, 1975. He decides to get together and marry the pen pal at that time that he was talking to. Um, but they had divorced within two years because there were constant accusations from the stepdaughter that he was sexually assaulting her. And then, you know, went on. So, so hold on just for a second. And I don't okay. know. 
that's, I don't know if that's you know Hillary's history. So yeah, I don't know if you know the answer to this, and I don't know why I think that you would. But when did women writing like people in jail become a thing? Because hmm. that seems like an internet thing, but this is this is it happening like in the seventies. It has been happening for a very long time. My dad married a woman he was pen pal pen pals with. Oh my um, god! How did she even know? How did she know about him? That's a really good question. I don't. There's like programs. So I had opted to. Okay, so there's this project, and I'm going to tell you guys this. Some of you, especially if you're here for the true crime, you're going to think that this sounds like a really fucking good idea. I'm going to give you a a uh, cautionary tale of why you shouldn't do this. There is a project that you can get involved with. Yes, you can sign up now online. It's called, I think it's like the Death Row Project or something like that, where you can become pen pals with a death row inmate um, and, and write to them because these guys are incredibly fucking lonely. I mean, they're, you know, mm -hmm. listen, don't do it. <laughs> Unless you have a P.O. box um, that's far away from your hometown and that's what you're giving them, don't fucking do it. What will happen to some of these guys in prison is that um, your mail will get into the hands of other prisoners and not just like them, but sometimes um, these death row inmates are mixed in because of overcrowding with like regular run-of-the-mill prisoners. And they have been known to take advantage of the people writing to them. Um, there have been people that have gotten out of prison and have tracked down the address on their cellmate's letter and went and robbed the fucking person or whatever. Like, it's very dangerous to just write people in prison. Like, don't fucking put your, if you ever write anybody in prison, don't put your home address ever. So that's one thing. But there, this, that whole thing, the death row, you know, writing people, I understand those are death row inmates. This has always been a thing. I mean, I, I don't know how you get into these programs pre the internet. Um, I wasn't alive because uh, I was born in 1991. So I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it has like the matchmaking and thing. That's always, I mean, as far as I know, it's always been around. It's a narrative that pops up more often than you would think. And I think in, when I hear about it, something that far back, it just, you know, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. And it's public record. I mean, right now, like you can go onto your local news website and you can see people who have been arrested who are in jail, right? Overnight. And that's you know, and back when newspapers were still hot. I mean, you can still get a newspaper, but like they used to put it in the paper and shit too. So like lonely women or even lonely men could go and peruse, you know, the local, um, you know, the local most wanted and see who was arrested recently and could write to them in the county jail. And then when they move, they would write you with their new address and say, hey, I'm here now. I mean, there's tons of ways that you can actually meet someone that's in prison. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, though. I know, girl, as much as I and I'm not looking down on anybody for this, but I know chicks that would probably. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, if it wasn't for. uh if it wasn't for instant messenger would probably be writing men in prison. <laughs> There's whole entire they're... groups dedicated yeah. to women that no, have the hot killers. Oh, not, not even the killer thing, just because they like the captive audience. You know what I mean? They like the idea of some guy in a cell somewhere hanging on their every word, jerking his dick at night, thinking about him reading their fucking letter. Yeah. You know? weird. No, it's I mean, whole... well, it's not healthy, but it's, it's understandable, I guess. You know, <laughs> yeah, I but I agree. Um, you know, I I don't know exactly how they come to be, but it is out there. I've never sure. looked into it. Well, maybe something we can... never I've never been interested in marrying a felon. So <laughs> anyway, that's 
Um, but that's that's Henry's uh, background. You, do you have anything else to say about his? No, 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 His upbringing. Oh, okay. All right. I will continue. Now, Otis, <clears throat> Otis Tool, he actually had a very similar kind of upbringing. Um, so, Otis, his mother also would dress him up like a girl. And actually, he had a whole name for him. It was Susan. Wow. Um, yeah. He suffered from a lot of incestuous sexual assault uh, in his house, including his own sister. I mean, tons of people. Um, he had actually come out to his family as gay. And he says that's when he really became the target of abuse in his family. And when his mother started dressing him up like a girl. But he said that that stems from at the age of five years old, he was forced to have sex with, well, he was raped by his, one of his father's friends. And that's when he discovered that he was gay at five um, and had stuck to that idea. I mean, was gay. He was just gay from going forward. He claims that his grandmother <clears throat> was a Satanist. Okay. Yeah. Um, that made him do a lot of really weird and terrible things. Um, you know, the the top of the mountain being grave robbing was was pretty normal for him. <laughs> um, he was an arsonist. He was a serial arsonist, and you know, admitted that he was uh, very sexually aroused by fire. Is that bad? It is weird. Yeah. Is it bad to set shit on fire all the time? Yeah, it is. I was, I was a total pyro as a kid. But were you an arsonist? Well, I never got arrested. I mean, what, what makes you an arsonist versus someone that just burns shit? I mean, if you're just like burning items and, and your fucking buddy's bonfire, I don't think that's a big deal. If you're setting people's homes and cars and shit on fire... Oh, that's right. we're not talking about me <laughs> okay <all right. laughs> we're talking about otis pool never mind <laughs> i mean have you killed anybody yet in in your 40 years panel i had like i would admit it on this fucking this is when i finally come clean about it right <laughs> yeah why not yeah. hey you know what with the fuck our our listenership would fucking skyrocket so well i, I hope if you ever do confess that it's on this show <laughs> hopefully our listeners write us letters or, or leave me voicemails <laughs> 77359 weird they will you know you have a whole groupie following um after that point um but anyway so he also eventually he ran away from home in his younger teenage years um he ran away to become a male prostitute um he was very very much addicted to porn you know it's just kind of the point of some of these um things like a porn addiction and you know sexual arousal from fire it's just to show that he's a deviant right i mean that's what it is he's got deviancy issues and yes if you don't get your 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 defiant behavior in check that is a problem um that's when you become otis tool or henry lucas um as a fine line there um he claims that he murdered his first murder occurred when he was 14 he says that he was approached by a businessman a proposition for sex and that he actually ran him over with his own car so which you know honestly um that one like i don't really blame him for you know i, I don't i'm sorry i mean creepy old guy trying to have sex with a 14 year old boy uh fuck that guy um he also became the prime suspect so he would kind of hop around different states and everywhere that he went he became a prime suspect in some type of murder interestingly enough most of them seem to be women 
and other, you know, female prostitutes. But it could have been because, I mean, gosh, he had, listen, his mom, his grandmother, his older sister. I could see why this guy hated women. I mean, I don't understand it, but I can definitely see him developing that type of hate. And so therefore, murdering women became his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, he would become the prime suspect. And in a case, he would skip town, he would leave. Um, and then he just kind of did that forever uh, until 1976 when he met his uh, soulmate, Henry Lee Lucas. So that's the individual history of, of both of them. Um, any, anything you want to tack on there from the. Yeah, I mean, women uh, don't fuck up your kids. You guys have more power than you think. And it's interesting that the fathers in these. You know, the fathers in these situations, these domestic situations, aren't saints either. And it's almost like the women are punishing the children because of their father. You get women that are marginalized by men, and then they have men children, and they take it out on them. And they abuse them and torment them and warp them. And in turn, create even more dysfunctional men that go on to abuse women. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not that that I'm saying that, you know... uh, that it's brought upon, they bring it upon themselves. But, um, you know, I, I think if there's a takeaway here, and this is a very simplistic view from 30,000 feet is that just because you experience trauma as a child does not give you the right to revisit it upon other people. That revenge is a stupid idea. And all it does is perpetuate the cycle of violence. The only way it's going to end is if you're strong enough to withstand it, absorb it and then just kind of dissipate it and move on you know what i mean you got to stop the cycle of abuse you know if you had shitty parents don't be a shitty parent yourself be a loving parent you know and that's not you're not going to raise your kids to be weak you know i know there's a lot that's said about that about you know the yuppies kids are all fucked up because they weren't strict like their parents were and maybe there is some truth to that but i think in these two cases you have men that were very prolific serial killers that became that way because they were abused by women that were abused by less horrific men. And that the the violence and the sadism and the depravity only was amplified, you know? Um, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, this is a, a very classic case of serial killers. I mean, typically, if you just it's look every at every serial killer we fucking talk about. Well, <laughs> didn't really have much. I mean, he had neglectful parents, but he didn't have fucking dress my kid up like a woman and sexually abuse them type of. Well, parent. but they still had sexual dysfunction. I mean, there was still all the serial killers we've kind of, we've talked about are pretty much gay, I think. And I don't, I don't that's not saying that there's not straight serial killers out there. But I think if you look at the ones that we've talked about on this show, uh, pretty much. So far, yeah. We haven't really covered All the heavy hitters are. All the people putting up the big numbers. You know what I mean? Get away from these gay serial killers. You know what it is? It's the showmanship. It's the pageantry. (laughs) All right? (laughs) It's their their panache. It's their sense of style. They just do it better. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i definitely like i said i want to get away it's starting to sound like we were fucking targeting them and we're not oh no, no, of course that, that, that's the most ridiculous thing ever these happen to come up on the radar um and y'all do uh, it we'll stop talking about it when you stop doing it i don't know what to say nah we can't stop doing it people love these episodes the true crime episodes always get the most listeners well, they love we should, this shit we should do this shit more than they love these uh psychotic twinks 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> these are no, no, no. These are otters. All right. Okay, I'm, look, uh, I'm looking at the here. two of them right now. Oh Henry God. Lee Lucas is a textbook otter. They look very much like creepy. Like those are the people that you fucking stay away from and in, in, in a bar, you know? Yeah. Like, don't go anywhere near those guys. Don't talk to those people. They're creepy. Um, which is not to like body shame anybody or I guess, you know, shame their appearance, but my God, just go look at them if you haven't. Ugh, they're something else. Anyway. Um so they meet, okay. Henry and Otis meet in a soup kitchen in 1976. And um they they hit it off. As a matter of fact, and this isn't proven for sure, but it's not denied either. It's pretty well known that they ended up becoming lovers. Mm-hmm. Which is not surprising because both of them didn't really well, Otis was definitely very gay. Henry, I don't think, really had any type of sexual preference. But alongside, you know, banging Otis, he was also banging Otis's fifteen year old disabled niece. Wow, that's that's no good. No, not at all. Um, and you know, she ended up getting put into a home and when she was put into this like it was like a like a juvenile place for people with disabilities because her mom was dead her grandma died she didn't have a caretaker um henry had actually convinced her to run away with him and and she did and so they ran off together um it ended up kind of going to like several different places um but eventually at one point uh becky started you know saying that she wanted to go back home she didn't want to be on the run like she didn't like this life um so henry killed her (laughs) he killed her well and uh you know and he confessed to that to that murder um which we're going to talk about here shortly otis on the other hand i mean he was still kind of drifting around so they would they would kind of like jump around and and hop around from state to state and then kind of meet up in the middle somewhere and then you know bang it out and then leave and then get together and go bang out other people together i mean they were just kind of had this really nomadic lifestyle um otis ended up uh actually being arrested for arson and the arson that he was arrested for was not there wasn't anything that was really crazy about it it was just a structure but they he had also con- he confessed that he had just killed somebody in an arson you know and, and one of those um issues you know tied him up and fucking let the house on fire and so from there things just got even crazier so two months after he admits to um killing this guy by fire which i believe he claimed was self-defense in some type of way um henry is arrested for having a gun on him when he shouldn't have had a gun on him and when he was arrested for that he confessed to killing um not only becky but this other person that they were staying at their house they were staying at or something he confessed to killing two people and henry started fucking just singing like a canary and all of a sudden henry lee lucas is responsible for killing fucking everybody and otis gets word of this and he goes oh yeah yeah we killed everybody i mean we killed all these people um otis's number was you know up in the hundreds whereas henry's number was eventually up at like the 600s i mean really out there and really crazy um otis had claimed that they did this under under the guise of a cult so they were following a cult called the hands of death yeah 
And, you know, investigators didn't find any evidence to back that up. Much like most of the other murders that they claimed to commit. Now, um, you know, what's crazy is that at the end of the day, um, Henry Lucas was only convicted for 11 murders. Okay. Otis Toole was only convicted for six. Combined, again, they confessed more than 600. Out of the 600, the general idea is that police do believe that they were responsible for 200, at least 200 of those murders. And DNA has confirmed that at least 20 of those victims that they claimed were not either of them. So this is really all over the place. (laughs) And, you know, that's where it gets kind of crazy. Now, um, I believe Henry was arrested in Texas and it really fucked, he really fucked up the reputation of the Texas Rangers because just a lot of the stuff was very, a lot of the confessions were very unlawfully gotten. You know, they would give him information about these cases that, you know, nobody else should have known. Like, that's how they know they catch their killer, their killer is because, you know, they knew that detail. Nobody knew that detail. Um, they would kind of feed him information and he would just confess to it. Now, they both have gone back and forth and back and forth, um, you know, about whether or not they did actually commit those murders. But they were getting, like, highbrow treatment because of you know confessing all these murders they'd get going all these trips um when they were going on on these trips they didn't handcuff them at all uh they were actually kind of free to just be themselves and i mean they'd take them out to dinner and i mean they really treated them very well because they were confessing to all these murders so of course they're going to confess to them and you know there's a lot of back again back and forth of well i did it okay well take me to the body okay the body is in um it's in nashville so they'd fly out to nashville they'd have a nice nashville weekend and he'd take them to this spot and there was nothing there um this was very common (laughs) his whole life (laughs) the whole whole rest of their lives they both did this over and over again um so i'll I'll pause there for a minute (laughs) pato that's interesting that to think that because you think that people confess shit that they didn't do because they're just crazy and they want the notoriety. But the idea that they would have some kind of um, have some kind of deal worked out with the police to maybe get preferential treatment while they confess to all these crimes. Uh, that's really interesting, especially in the, in the case that you're going to get to, I assume. Yes. Relatively soon. Yes. Where the police almost seem complicit and losing some of the evidence where you're like how the fuck did that happen um yeah i mean you need you need a scapegoat right you need someone to confess to it so uh there you go as long as they're going in yeah the the pressure's high right so you you gotta you gotta come up with an answer these families want answers you know this guy's willing to give them that he's given them that closure they think but it's not really closure because it's not real um it's not a real confession (laughs) so right and the more time the more time that you cap to the more time you spend on trial the the more time you get shuttled around you're not in jail right and then when you finally do land your ass in jail you're this prolific fucking serial killer that has you know 60 murders under your belt yeah you're less likely to get fucked with you know even though you are sometimes i don't know do, do guys the guys like this can't get treated well in prison because they're killing kids and oh that's a whole nother uh i can tell you the big secret there um people that's not that's a myth 
Um, guess what? When people go to prison, they're going to prison with other prisoners. And they're put when you are in prison, first and foremost, you go to a like a sorting center. Okay. Everybody goes uh. to like a, a sorting center. Um, and it's just like a big prison until they transfer you to your new home. Right. And the prisons that they choose to transfer you to, um, they put you in with people that commit kind of the same crimes that you do. Because if you were to like take like a serial like child rapist and you were to put it, put them in a prison with, you know, people that aren't that, then yeah, you're going to have a problem because that person's going to get targeted and ultimately they're going to get transferred anyway or killed and then you're you're in trouble <laughs> you know right. um so they put these prisoners in with other like-minded prisoners prison justice is not uh really a thing i mean it can be it does happen rarely but it does happen um but it's not like people think it is and if you are somebody that's terrible like that and they put you in a prison with people that aren't already serving life in prison because the only person that's going to kill you in prison is someone that's going to be there for life um Everyone else put, is trying to get out. Yeah. Everyone else just wants to leave, right? So they're not going to fucking kill you just because, you know. Um, and there was even, like, a thing about, like, uh, I just did a lot of reading about prison rape. But even that's kind of interesting. I mean, you have so many dudes in there that are willing to Wait, what? to do it. Prison rape, yeah. Prison, people you are just like, did a what? You a research that? on prison rape. Okay. A lot of research on prison rape. And, um, you know, it's not as it happens and but most of the time when prison rape or, or sexual assault in prison happens it's not between the prisoners it's actually between the staff and the prisoners did i ever tell you my prison rape story you got raped in prison no 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 i had a friend that was uh i was in my first band with that um grew up to be a cook county sheriff and um i had known cook county sheriffs right and the sheriffs are obviously the people that guard the prison, right? They're, they're sheriffs. And, you know, something that you ask sheriffs, and I've known it working, I used to be a, a bouncer in the bar industry, and I, I just knew a lot of sheriffs. And sometimes it would come up, and they'd always say, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. People don't get raped in prison. You know, that's a bunch of bullshit. It doesn't happen. And one time I ran into my buddy who, like I said, we went to grammar school together. We were in our first band together. He was the first drummer I ever played with. And, uh, I said, oh, you're, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm over at County now and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we have something. People get raped to prison. He's like, Jesus Christ all the fucking time. He's like, I, I, I can't turn around without watching people fuck it. Sometimes it's consensual. Sometimes it's not. And you hear him fucking scream out and yell and shit like this for help. And you just sit there and you wait for it to be over. He goes, this one guy, he was, he was, a uh, he was a business guy from the neighborhood who got his third fucking DUI or something, right? And got locked up and was supposed to be um, supposed to be released on a Friday. And um, he got bailed out, and they were supposed to let him go Friday afternoon. Well, somebody forgot, misfiled the paperwork, right? So this guy had to spend the weekend in county. And he fucking had to blow every guy in that place, and he got fucking passed around. And by the time they fucking got the paperwork straight and pulled him out Friday morning, he was missing teeth and he looked like he had been beaten, fucked half to death. And this was a guy that had, you know, too many DUIs and he was a, you know, a salesman or something from the neighborhood. That's weird. And I was like, get the fuck out of there. And he's like, yeah. So now who do you believe? Do I believe the 20 plus sheriffs that I asked over the course of my life? <laughs> That have all said, no, 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 that doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Or do I believe the one guy that I've known since we were fucking kids that said, this is the shit that I've seen? 
I don't know. Now, maybe that guy that I knew from back in the day was fucking with me because, you know, that's what you do is you, 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 whatever. Well, it's a great cautionary tale to keep you out of jail. <laughs> or maybe maybe the 20 other guys who I didn't know nearly as well were just being dismissive about it because they didn't want to get into it and they weren't going to talk out of turn. I don't know. I will um, cover prison stories a little bit more. Here's a little kind of spoiler for the Patreon. We did an episode about my dad. <laughs> that we're going to redo. <laughs> um, my dad spent about a good 20 years in prison and not a prison. My uncle, his brother also spent this, about the same amount of time, um, you know, three to four years stints at a time. Um, my aunt is a corrections officer at a prison. Um, I, I'm very familiar. I fucked a guy for a very long time. That was a felon. Um, one of my best. Oh, just one. Yeah, just one. Um, really? Oh yeah, just one. Um, not one of my best friends. Two of my best friends, as a matter of fact, are felons and spent time in prison for oh, beating a guy half to death, actually, for uh, raping one of their girlfriends. Um, so they were in kind of with the bigger boys. Um, I, I, I know a lot about prison life and kind of what goes on and what does. I've never been. Um, but like it's weird the guy says that like that wouldn't happen if he claims that happened in the county jail it didn't you don't do shit in county jail you sit in a cell by yourself you don't move you don't leave you sit in one cell all day long you go out to eat i mean you go out to the fucking cafeteria area to eat and then you're back in your cell so that shit didn't happen in county um could it happen in a prison sure and does it happen sure but you're telling me that they're just gonna let this guy fucking scream out that he's getting raped and they're all gonna stand around not do anything about it that's kind of weird they're more of the monster than the rapist I, I don't know, and the only reason that I could, the only thing I'll say in defense of your friend's experiences versus what I've had recounted to me is that maybe the county prison system in Dayton, Ohio is different than the one in Chicago. That's the only thing I could think to say, and I don't, but I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I, I have been to jail, but never prison. No, and, my, uh, I hope I never more go. Than, more county jails, and actually, I don't think my dad's ever been to Dayton. Um but that's what he says. He'd rather be in prison than jail. Jail is fucking horrible. <laughs> that's what I've always heard. And I know multiple people that have been to jails, you know, and they're terrible. You just sit there. Um, anyway, like I said, we'll talk. We'll do prison talk on its own deal one of these days and like prison justice and things like that. Um, because I think it is a worthy topic, you know, because people just don't understand that how that works, really. So they just assume Again, you do have stories of people that are killed and raped in prison. It's not like it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen to the degree that people think. Um, so somebody like Henry Lucas and uh, Otis Toole, who are probably getting, on top of like the the treatment that they're getting from all the people at the prison, all the detectives, all that, they're also they've also probably got a whole fucking fan base that's sending them tons of money tons of items you know and other prisoners do will become your best friend because you got money on the outside mm. because they don't have shit coming in so you know they're i mean they probably weren't treated badly at all <laughs> neither of them died like jeffrey dahmer died you know they weren't beat to death with the fucking broom handle um they just died because they had other issues um but yes yeah, so back back to their their false confessions and kind of where this all led and honestly, kind of why we did this episode. I'm not a big fan of uh, Henry Lucas and Otis Tool. I mean, I know that sounds weird to be a fan of serial killers, but obviously I've got my preferred stories. I, I'm a big true crime person, and this just isn't, just doesn't get me going much um, because it is kind of just weird and unexciting. Um, but the reason why we brought it up 
is to kind of fast track us into another episode that I want to do later on down the line. And that is the alleged, uh, you know, the, the murder of um, Adam Walsh. Um, very famously, John Walsh even subscribes to this. Um, Otis Toole was blamed for that murder. He is the one that's put down as having kidnapped and murdered Adam Walsh. And I, being the rebel that I am, fucking don't think he did it. And I think Jeffrey Dahmer did it. And there's tons of fucking evidence that backs it up. There's tons of evidence that doesn't match with Otis doing it at all. It's like not even possible that he did it. He wasn't even in the same area. But Dahmer was. <laughs> and there's so mm -hmm. much to it. Um, and I wanted to do an episode on that, on just because Adam Walsh's disappearance is a big fucking deal. If you're already a true crime person, then you already know. Um, right. You know who John Walsh is, right? If you if you grew up in the 90s, you know who that man is. <laughs> America's Most Wanted. That's him. Um, you know, this child's murder, as very unfortunate as it was, is a huge stepping stone to better practices that we put in place now. Um, so it does hold its place in, in true crime history. And I just think that we are doing a disservice to this child by not pinpointing the right killer. And I would like to use my platform to then, you know, say why I think that somebody else did it and, uh, show you guys the evidence. And this is why, you know, we're here. But at the end of the day, the police believe that he was the, um, that Otis Tool is the one that killed him. So... And that's really, I mean, I'm not going to dive into it right now. You're just going to have to wait for it. But that's really all I got to say about it. And Pato, you got anything to say about that particular topic? Yeah. I mean, um, I think if I was a parent, I would rather subscribe to the Otis Pool version of events than the um, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, version of events. How that would have played out versus, because Otis just said he was going to, he chopped him with a machete by he fucking punched him. Beat him unconscious, which isn't nice to think about happening to your son, but whatever. And then he was killed in a, you know, down by the river. Whereas Dahmer would have uh, done some stuff. Well, you know? we don't know that for sure. It would have only been Dahmer's second murder. Well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's right. so that that's obviously what this is all built. But I get what you're saying. Another it's topic for another day. If yeah. I, you know, something happened to the kid. He's not just wandering around the parking lot looking for the car. Like, he gone. Someone took him. Someone killed him. So you've got to start thinking about how that went down. And right. uh, you're going to want, it's not a pretty thing to have to entertain. No. But you're going to pick the lesser of two evils. You're going to pick the less invasive, quicker demise than the one that, um, you know. I As the know. parent, yeah. Yeah. As the parent, yeah. Um, you know, if you had to pick someone to murder your child, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be Otis Stoll or Jeffrey Dahmer? Uh, right. Or Gacy or, you know what I mean? Like, Stuart Poll. I'm just kidding. That's that's terrible. That's not no, right. I think that's I think it'd be a very interesting Twitter poll for us uh, to put up on the it, fucking. It gets some discussion. Um, yeah. Because I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, just because John Walsh doesn't believe that, that Dahmer killed his son and that Otis did, it doesn't make it true. You know, you got to think about it that way. He's got a, he's got a personal bias, and who I don't blame the guy. You know, at all. Um, that, but like, how did they? So, are we going to talk about the 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 discrepancies with the pool stuff? Like, how did they lose his car? What's the explanation there? Like, they there don't, isn't they, one. Yeah, like what the fuck? 
Yeah, the car's like just the, gone. The the car is part of the crime scene, right? That's when the that's when the assault happened. There should have been blood. There should have been lo- tons of evidence. And uh, car's gone. The cops <laughs> fucking lost it. How do you lose a car? And not like, I mean, it, it was it Hollywood, California. It was like a, or Florida. It was a real it, it was a smaller Florida. town. So like, it's not like Chicago where like you know how many there's there's like three or there's, there's several tow yards that the police use. But I mean, this should have this is like a crime scene car. This wouldn't even gone to that. This should have gone to the police station or something. Like, yeah, he cut the child's head off in the back seat of that car. Right. There would have been evidence all over the fucking car. And then the car disappears. It's gone. Which means either you're like the worst fucking police ever. Who would have stole it? Why would someone steal a bloody car? Right. No, exactly. you, you you lost it on purpose because the because the crime scene wasn't going to match up with the crime. Okay, so that I mean, that's the only possible explanation. And, and that, that's not the only case where you know they confess to something and the discrepancies are there. I mean, this is just right. This like you said, there was like twenty something where the DNA doesn't match up. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you know, so yes, yeah, so the car's gone. Um, he couldn't have even like. I don't remember exactly where he was at the time, but like his last known record, he was in a totally different state. Otis Tool was in a totally different state and he couldn't have traveled in the time that it would have taken him to go pick this child up and go murder him. Like it just doesn't even make any sense. And the evidence that people did pinpoint, you know, which, which go back to the Dahmer episode. If you, for whatever reason, haven't listened to it yet, we did touch a little bit more on the evidence there for Dahmer, not all of it, um, but Dahmer's dad, Dahmer's own father, contacted John Walsh and said, "My son killed your son." And John Walsh went, "No, he didn't." Otis, yeah, it's a him. weird thing to do. I don't know. Dahmer's he, dad needs to fucking dial it back a notch. I know his heart's yeah. in the right place, but not really. Me. I mean, not really. It's not. I mean. He, you know, he wanted him held accountable for all the murders that he did. And that was the one the one he wouldn't confess to. And I, I just, I, we'll deep dive into it more. But there's nothing, there's no evidence at all that says that Otis Tool killed Adam Walsh. There's none. There isn't right. any. Except right. that he claimed that he did it. Now, he later recanted and said he never, he didn't actually do it. He lied. He admitted that he lied. <laughs> so, you know, what? <laughs> Are you really going to believe the guy that's now confessed to, you know, 600 murders and 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 probably and was only convicted of six? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Um, but we'll talk about it. You know, we'll get into it. That's a little bit of t- teaser as to kind of what that's going to look like. Um, we're not it's not going to be the first episode immediately after this. So you're going to have to just listen to other Wednesday episodes in the meantime. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about it. I like a little investigative journalism. I like it when you're excited. Well, I I like it when you like it when I'm excited. Everybody's winning. Everybody's Every, winning. Everybody except for Adam Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who pays the price for our... I really feel badly for that one. I really genuinely do feel bad for that one. Um, yeah. but, uh, what can you do? You know, hey, um, you know, again, I, I I want to do the story justice. I don't want it to be all fun and games. It's not. It's not a fun and game. It's a very terrible and tragic situation. Um, and that's why I want to talk about it is because people don't know, and I want you guys to know. So, 
Anything else to say about the dynamic duo, uh, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool, Pato? Um, the bromance to end all bromances. You know, it's it's nice to see guys hanging out with guys and getting stuff done. And um, you know, if we work together, look at look at everything we can accomplish. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're we still talking. You know, typically, you know, when people are when they go to prison sometimes there's an order for them to not they're not allowed to talk to each other and probably during the initial investigation they weren't allowed to but like eventually once they were convicted i wonder if they ever i guess they probably wouldn't even know how to reach out to one another yeah i mean how would they know where where each other's at to write to them or like their their number you know they're fucking uh, maybe who knows i mean maybe maybe there's some of their I hoes on the outside could fucking get them that information i mean there's right go tell them i love them I, you know i don't know um yeah because you do have other cases of people that do stuff like that so i don't when men are in love and work together they can take over <laughs> the world and get what? anything done someone you can just hang out with and listen to records and suck each other off and go kill people and you can make you know. the fucking Texas Rangers believe that you killed over 200 people <laughs> even when you didn't. Like, you know. these guys had no fucking education. They had to, they outsmarted the fucking Texas Rangers. Yeah, the Texas Rangers should look bad. You know? Well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily outsmarting as much as they told them what they wanted to hear. Or they, the Texas Rangers might even be complicit. They might have been like, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to need you to cop to this shit just so we can clear our books. And we're going to pass you around, you know, and, and we're going to send you to Florida and you're going to clear some of their books. I'm going to send you over here and you're going to clear some of their books. And, yeah, you know, we got these wackadoos that, you know, it, it have honestly been, you know, prolific killers, but we can, we can ratchet up the uh, hysteria around them and turn them into fucking bigger monsters than they were and, and clear some of our paperwork. Absolutely. Get, get our numbers up, you know absolutely okay. or maybe it was the cult that's something that i wish i had spent more time researching with the cult of the hand or whatever what is it the hand of death uh i've got it in my notes hold on uh the hands of death yeah so like what's that like what was that there was no hot link on that name uh <laughs> you know what i mean still out there was... operating to this day hands of death who else was part of uh who else was supposedly part of a cult or something? Those the Chicago Rippers. Yeah, did we? Remember? They were did we do, up. Did we do them yet? That's how you know about them. No, the Chicago Rippers, dude. Everyone knows who they are. That was like a. They were part of a cult. I don't know. They I'm were like s- cult amongst themselves. It was the the Chicago Ripper crew. It um. That was the guy. The guy knew uh, fucking Gacy. He worked for Gacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same with the Bray. Man, I was. I don't know where I was recently. Um, something. I was doing something, and the Gacy thing came up again, and I was blowing people's minds, telling them about all the fucking the connections between Gacy. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. It's nice being in a fog. Every day is a new adventure. (laughs) (laughs) The best part about Alzheimer's is all the new friends you meet every day. You know, it's the joke. (laughs) That's just you getting old. It's too much aluminum in my drinking water. That's what it is. 
<laughs> it's the fluorine. My pe- my pineal glands calcified from the fluoride oh, in the drinking God. water. <laughs> well, at least you're <laughs> drinking your water, though. That's important. Right. Um, that's why the that's why the internet is filled with drink your water because you need to take your medicine. Anything else? Is that it? Is that nope. all you want? To add? Okay, <laughs> that's all I got. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you back here next Wednesday.